Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. It's starting to feel like Christmas, isn't it? Who's got their tree up? I'm only half. Come on, guys. It's the 10th of December. All right, good. Okay, still not much more than half, but I'll give you had a few extra hands go up. Who's watched a Christmas movie? Five. All right. Okay, come on, guys. 10th of December. You've got 15 more days till Christmas hits to get in at least one Christmas movie. Um, anyone had an end of your get-together yet? Good. Okay, a few more. All right, at least we're social. At least we're social. Next time when you have your Christmas get-together, you can sit around your Christmas tree, watch a Christmas movie, and hang out with your friends. Every, tick, tick, tick. Thank you, Sheila. Well, one person, three out of three. Every year at Northside, uh, in the lead up to Christmas, we have what we we'll call an Advent series, getting ready for the coming of Jesus and, and looking forward again to when he's going to come back uh, to earth again. And, um, and this year, our Advent series is called uh, Just Another Holiday. And so if you've joined us today, we're in week two of this three-part series, um, thinking about, is, is Christmas just another holiday? Is it just another religious mark in the calendar? Um, is it just like... Like we live in this house in the middle where we're like, no, nah, can't be bothered Christmas. Just another holiday, not going to participate, doesn't matter. Or is there something about Christmas that sets it apart and makes it different and special? Um, if you missed last week, we said that maybe um, one of the reasons that Christmas can sometimes feel like just another holiday uh, is because we've lost sight of the deep joy uh, that is a part of Christmas. And maybe the reason for that is that we've lost sight of the deep longing that leads up to Christmas. Uh, in, uh, those of you who have waited a really long time for something before you have received it know that the deeper uh, the yearning for something, then the greater the joy when you finally receive it. And that's certainly the case uh, for Christmas. We know that uh, we heard last week that the Christmas story didn't begin with a couple who didn't know where to have their baby. It actually began 2,000 years earlier with a couple who were pretty sure that they couldn't have a baby. And God makes a promise to Abraham and his wife, Sarah, that he's going to make Abraham uh, into a great nation who he would bless and then bless all the nations of the world through him. And then we have these 2,000 long years waiting for God to come good on his promise. And the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham are not feeling very blessed. Nobody is feeling very blessed through them. And it seems like the promise of God is as out of reach as ever. And then finally, when the time had fully come, when God had everything lined up just as he wanted it to be, when he had a system through the Roman occupation and peace through which to get the world's attention, uh, when his son finally came, that God delivered on his promise and sent his son to make it possible um, for all the nations to be blessed through Abraham's descendants. He shows us that he is always at work behind the scenes to get things ready um, to prepare us for what he has planned. Christmas is not just another holiday. It's the time that we remember that against all odds, our God is interested in us, that he's active and that he can be trusted with our lives. Now, that's an amazing story, huh? Um, and it shows us one reason that Christmas is, is not just another holiday, but it's not the full picture, it's not the full picture. It is so cool to see how God deliberately chose that point in time and prepared everything all the way up to that point in time to send his son. And it shows us how intentional he is with his timing. It shows us how he is always on time and how he won't be rushed, no matter how much we try to rush him and rush ahead of him. But did you ever wonder if there was so much intentionality to God's timing in sending Jesus? If the timing was so critical to the effectiveness of God's delivering on his promise, then surely there's just as much intentionality to every little detail that characterizes Jesus himself when he's born. 
If God can do anything, why was Jesus born as a baby? Why did he not just appear someday, somewhere as a fully grown man? Well, why was he born Jewish? Why was he fully human and not part human and part God? Have you ever wondered why God sent this man at this time? After 2,000 years of waiting, uh, the answer has got to hold great significance for us and our lives and for why Christmas is much more than just another holiday. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those elaborate robbery movies where there's this group to get together and plan this heist for a long time. Like, anyone seen Ocean's Eleven? It's my favourite. It came out when I was in year 11 and I was obsessed, partly because I had George Clooney and Brad Pitt. I won't lie. (laughs) But Ocean's Eleven I loved because there's this guy that's hatching this plan for such a long time while he's in prison to come out and plan this other heist. And he gets together, Danny Ocean is his name, um, and, um, and he gets together all the best people, the best crew that he can to pull off this heist. And there's amazing detail that goes into it. And uh, you think for most of the movie that it's just about the money and then you get to the end of the movie and you realise that there's a, deeper, there's a deeper purpose and motivation for it, a relational purpose in that he wants to win back his girl from the guy um, who runs these three casinos that he's planning on robbing on the night that they're going to have the most money in their combined vault. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, go and see it. It's a brilliant movie. <laughs> And when I got to the end of it the first time, the first few times probably, because it took me a while to catch up on exactly how he managed to pull off this amazing heist, I got to the end and I wanted to watch back over the movie and understand how every little detail came together and understand the significance of every little detail. I knew that this guy had been planning this heist for such a long time and there was so much amazing detail that came together and worked together in such an incredible way to make it effective and to allow him to pull it off. I wanted to watch back in hindsight and understand how the whole thing came together. I knew that every detail had to be vital to the success of this heist. If one little thing was out of place, the whole thing would have fallen over. And when it comes to the birth of Jesus, what this passage today shows us is that every detail of who he was was vital for God pulling off his mission in sending his son and delivering on his promise. If we overlook any one of them, if any single detail is out of place, then the whole thing would fall in a heap. God needed Christmas just as it was. He needed it to be just as it was in order to fulfill his promise through it. And so as we analyze the detail of Jesus' personhood, as we look back on this side of Christmas and watch the movie again, um, we're able to unlock the deeper purpose that God had in pulling this off and look at what that means for our lives. And so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, If you've got your Bibles there, have a look with me at verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law. Now that shows us three main things, the three details about who Jesus was that were absolutely essential for God's plan to work. Firstly, Jesus was God's son. Secondly, which means he's fully God. Secondly, he's born of a woman, which was a way at the the time of simply saying he was human. So not only is he fully God, he's fully human. How that works, I don't know. You have to ask Jesus. Um, And thirdly, he's born under law. He was Jewish. He was Jewish. Now, why? Why did Jesus have to be God's son, completely God? Why did he have to be uh, human, completely human? And why did he have to be Jewish? What does each component unlock for us when it comes to God's deeper purposes in this great and well-planned out mission? 
Firstly, as we work through this passage, Jesus was born Jewish so that you and I could be freed from a life of striving to be enough. Here's the logic. Uh, if it follows on in verse 5, he was born, he was sent, he was God's son, he was human, and he was born under law in order to redeem those under the law. Now, let me walk you through this. The fact that Jesus was Jewish, a descendant of Abraham, who God made this great promise to 2,000 years earlier, meant that he was born into and born under the Jewish law that was given to Moses uh, after he delivered God's people from slavery in Egypt. And that same law was passed down through the generations all the way to Jesus as a way of God's people interacting with one another and with God. Now, Jesus being born under this law, being born into this law was absolutely vital uh, to him being the one through whom God would bless all nations and the whole world. You see, at the time when Jesus was born, Judaism was a dead on the inside religion. Um, it It was made up just of ritual and ceremony, tradition and crushing legalism. And what the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders had done was taken the law that God had originally given to his people through Moses and turned it into an impossible job description of how to earn rightness with God. Now, when this law was initially given to Moses and passed down, uh, it was given in large part to serve as a a custodian uh, for God's people, uh, to restrain the sins of the people, basically. God's people were so rebellious and wild and were so determined to go and worship other gods other than him that he gave them a law as a custodian to restrain their sins. Kind of acted like a really strict nanny uh, for God's people to kind of restrain them and keep them in line, but it only served to produce a really rebellious teenager in God's people who pushed against the rules and didn't want uh, to be kept in line. And what that did in turn was reveal their need for a saviour to come and fulfil the requirements of the law for them, to come from the outside to save them and to change their hearts from the inside out so that they would want to love and serve God. Does that make sense? Now, this law came from God who has always been the same, which means that the heart of it was to produce and nurture loving, life-giving relationships But in and of itself, it had no life or power to transform people from the inside out. And so under the law, as it stood, this strict nanny, God's people were effectively slaves, slaves to the law. Now, because Jesus was born Jewish, born under this law, like the rest of the Jewish people, um, he had to obey it. And nobody else had been able to perfectly obey this law. Jesus was the only one who's been able to. And by perfectly fulfilling the law, by perfectly obeying it, he was able to redeem what, which means to effectively purchase out of slavery the rest of the Jewish people who would trust in him to do that on their behalf. It's like believing in him. By believing in him, their lives were joined with his uh, and his perfection became theirs. And so he was able to, to buy out of slavery from the law the rest of the Jewish people who would trust in him. Why did he have to be Jewish? Because by being Jewish, he was able to represent the Jewish people before God by perfectly obeying the law on their behalf and offering his life as a ransom uh, to free them from a life of slavery to the law. That means that those who believe in him don't need to do all the right things to be right with God anymore because Jesus has done it on their behalf. Now, you might be thinking, we're all thinking it, I'm not Jewish. 
What does that maybe some of us are Jewish, I'm not a lot of us are not Jewish. What does that what does that mean for our lives if we're not um, if we're not Jewish, if we're not like descendants of Israel in that um, blood sense? What does that have to do with me? Well, uh, there's still good news. There is good news that this good news is for all people of all nations, just like God always promised. It's not intended just to stay within the Jewish people. In fact, if you look back earlier into uh, the letter to the Galatians that Paul has written from which the reading came today, chapter 3, verse 14, he says, Jesus redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's all who are not Jewish, through Christ Jesus. So it's okay. This all applies to all of us. (laughs) What it means for us then is that instead of a life characterized by climbing a ladder to try to be good enough for God, to try to reach some kind of unreachable, impossible standard, someone has done the hard work of climbing for you. And you can just say, thanks for doing that for me and hang out right where you are and enjoy God. (laughs) You don't have to climb anymore. Because Jesus was born Jewish and was perfectly enough by the standards of the law, he has freed you and I from having to try to be enough. We don't have to do anything to earn God's approval because he was able to fully meet the requirements of the law. On your behalf and on my behalf, he's freed us uh, from a life of needing to do that. That's pretty great news, hey? Now, the cool thing about what that means for our lives is that um, it's not just that we're freed from this, um, this ladder of, try- of striving and left to kind of wander around, um, left to our own devices, but we're actually we're, we're freed from the ladder and we're brought into a new kind of identity. We're not just moved out of slavery, we're brought into a new reality. And the new reality is that of being children of God. You know, God doesn't want a master-servant relationship with his people this is, this is why, he, why he frees us. He wants a father-child relationship with his people. He doesn't want a, a relationship that's based on law and on works. He wants a relationship that is based only on love. God's end goal, why God needed Christmas to be just as it was, is that he wanted a father-child relationship with us, not a master-servant relationship. And so not only does he free us from a life of striving, trying to be good enough, but he moves us into a life of knowing him as our dependably good father. And so, the, and so Paul goes on as he writes this to the Galatians in verses 5 to 7. He redeems those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. Now, whether you're Jewish or not, What the detail of Christmas means for your life is that you can now relate to God, not through the law, but through love. What is now available to you now that you've been freed from a life of striving to be enough into a loving father-child relationship with God is that you have this at your disposal, unconditional love, intimacy, a stable identity, protection, provision, nurture, and teaching and so much more that's available to us now that we are children, not slaves. God wanted a deeply personal relationship with us, not one that's governed by do's and don'ts. And so he made us his children, a relationship based on love, not on law or works. Now you might think, uh, 
I have no idea what it is to relate to a father based, um, based on love, not works. You have no idea what my dad was like. <laughs> I, don't even have, I can't even fathom what that might look like. Why would I want to enter into a relationship with God, a father, when my picture of a father is someone I just need to work for and be good enough for? It's not Love is not a given. Why is that something that I would want? Um, Stick with me. What we're starting to get to is the heart of what it looks like to experience the blessing uh, that God promised 4,000 years ago to Abraham, what it looks like for us to experience that today. And as you stick with me, you will see what God is truly like uh, as a father. When you believe in Jesus, what happens is that the spirit of Jesus himself, God's son, comes into your heart, the center of your emotions and the center of your motivations. And he helps you to relate to God as your father from the inside out. He helps you to relate to him um, as not as your boss but as um, or your master or as one to appease, but as one who loves you and who has freed you from slavery to works in order to experience a relationship with him that's based on love and not law. If we feel like we can't do that because we don't know anything about a father who would just love us that we don't need to work for, take heart that he helps you do it. He changes your heart from the inside out and shows you what it is um, to relate to him based on love. He does the heavy lifting. In fact, the spirit of Jesus who lives in us helps us call out to the father, Abba Father, just like Jesus did when he was alive. His spirit now comes to live in us to help us to relate to God the father in the same way that he did. Abba was the way that a little child would call out to their dad, like daddy. And father was the way that an adult would often relate to their father. So it's this beautiful combination of a childlike intimacy with an adult uh, responsibility in having a conversation with God. And so as we call to God, it's like father, dear father. It's this combination of childlike intimacy and adult responsibility as we come, um, come to our father and talk to him. And he helps us to experience the blessing that he intends in that kind of relationship. He does the heavy lifting for us. So because of the detail of Christmas, this precision with which God fulfills his promises, because Jesus came as God's son, Jesus secures sonship for us. And then he assures us of it by an experience of his spirit who comes to live in us. It's cool, hey? Now, you might be starting to see it already. Do you know what is so amazing about becoming the children of God? One of the most amazing things about this was in the passage. What it is is that we inherit or receive the promises that God made to Abraham. All these years later, we get ingrafted into this great story to be the beneficiaries of God himself and of all that he has Let that blow your mind for a second. If it wasn't enough, I'll have a look at verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. You see this progression? You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also his heir. If it wasn't enough to be freed from a life of striving to be enough, And to be made God's child, we also become his heir. Think about how much God owns. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) We become his heirs. 
you look back to the beginning of Galatians 4 in your Bibles, you'll see that there actually wasn't much difference between a slave and an underage heir. When a son is under, underage, he's subject to guardians and trustees, much like God's people were during the years leading up to Jesus' birth. They were under this, this nanny of the law. And they were like slaves until they were old enough um, for the inheritance of their father's estate to take effect. Now, do you know what the moment was when God's people were old enough to receive their inheritance? It was when the time had fully come and God sent his son and delivered on his promise. When he sent his son with such precision that he would be this Jewish baby, freeing people of lives of striving to be enough and adopting them as his own children, ingrafting them to this great story to become the beneficiaries of God himself and all that he has. We get to experience the promises that God made to Abraham all those years ago. Are you seeing this? Every detail of who Jesus was, every detail of the way that God delivered on his promise came together in such a perfect way that you and I today get to experience the fulfillment of the promises that God made to Abraham 4,000 years ago. For our lives today. Christmas is not just another holiday. Just like an elaborate heist isn't just another robbery. <laughs> it is God's deliberate and precise movement on the pages of history that he needed in order to create a family by freeing slaves and adopting, adopting them as his children who would inherit everything that is his. If Jesus wasn't fully human, if he wasn't Jewish, if he wasn't God's son, then none of this would be possible. They say the devil's in the detail, but I think we can see from this that actually it's our God who is in the detail. If any one of those pieces fell down, that 2,000 years of yearning and waiting and longing would have gone to waste. Our God is a God of precision when he moves. He is more than able to deliver on his promises. Just like behind uh, all of Danny Ocean's planning and strategizing of this great heist in Ocean's Eleven was this relational goal of winning back the girl. So behind all of God's planning for this one moment in time was a relational goal to win you back, to win me back. His goal was you. You are the one that he imagined when he planned it all. You are the one whose attention he wanted to get. You are the one he loved and wanted to free from a life of striving to be enough and make his fully accepted child and heir forever. Not just everybody else, you. Some of you might be thinking today, well, you know, that all sounds very well and good, but do you know how God has dropped the ball in my life? Doesn't really seem like precision planning <laughs> when you look at the messes in my life, when you look at the state of my life. 
Let me show you all the ways that God has dropped the ball when it comes to me. Sure, this might apply to everybody else, but if you look at my life, there's the proof in the pudding that God does not pay attention to the detail in my life. You know, there are so many messes when you look at the story, this story of longing and waiting for God to deliver on his promises. There are so many messes in that story. Things looked so hopeless and people had given up on God ever being who he promised himself to be. If this story shows you anything this morning, let it be that God has come through on his promises for his people in the past when they have been huge messes in their lives, when they have been a mess as a people, and he can do it again for you. God can come through for you. He hasn't dropped the ball when it comes to your life. You know, when you're standing up close to a painting, no matter if who's painted it, it might have been painted by one of the best painters in the entire world ever. When you stand right up close, what does it look like? A big old mess. <laughs> you pan the camera back, just like we're doing in this series, pan the camera back to look at the great big picture. And what do you see? A masterpiece, a work of art. Is it possible that your life might look like a big old mess right up close at the moment when you're zoomed into the day and in the year and the moment or the second? But you pan the camera back. God is painting a masterpiece. There's a work of art. He has not dropped the ball when it comes to your life. He's working with precision. Nothing is overlooked. He loves you. He has not forgotten you. He never overlooks you. You are always on his mind and you're always in his heart. Ours is a God who is precise in the way he operates and he doesn't make mistakes. You are not a mistake. Nothing in your life is a mistake from God's, from God's movement, from his perspective. He doesn't make mistakes. We might make mistakes. But God has this amazing way when you pan the camera back to work it out to paint a masterpiece. He doesn't miss the mark. Nothing is out of place when he makes his move. Now, if you're listening into this today and you're not a Christian, our prayer for you is that um, the true nature of the God that we worship has become just a little bit clearer for you as you consider this great epic tale and story of the God who acts with precision in his timing and in the way that he acts to work all things out. That he is a God who welcomes all people, full stop. So my question for all of us this morning is how will you respond to this God who had a relational goal so great, winning you back? that he not only spent 2,000 years planning it out, but when he did make his move, when he did deliver on his promise, it was with such precision that everything came together in such a way that 4,000 or 2,000 years after Jesus, you would be able to be freed from a life of striving to be enough, engrafted into this great story as God's child and made to be the heir of all that God is and all that he has. How will you respond to that God this morning? Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that you are a God. You have shown yourself to be a God who acts with precision, who does not overlook any one of our lives, that even when things look like a big old mess right up close, that when we pan the camera back as we've seen through history, you're painting masterpieces with our lives. You're painting a masterpiece with history. Oh God, help us to trust you as we read this story. Would this reignite our trust in you? Would this make who you are clearer for us today, God, or for the first time? Help us to trust you as a God who sees us, who cares, who is working all things out. Would you give us the perspective that we need this morning, God? Help us to listen right now, God, in this moment to the way that you are prompting our hearts, to the way that your spirit is speaking to us. Give us responsive hearts, God. Help us to truly and deeply respond to you, God, in response to what you are already saying. Thank you that you speak first and we simply need to respond. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.